Thank you for downloading this sermon brought to you by the preaching ministry of Liberty Baptist Church of Las Vegas, Nevada, Dr. David Tice. For more sermons in both audio and video format, we encourage you to visit experienceliberty.com. Also, for a word of encouragement, insight, and biblical inspiration, follow Pastor David Tice's blog at davidtice.com. So without further ado, let's open our hearts to the Word of God. We're going to start in verse 6 where Paul says this, and let's read it together. I, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. Paul begins to share with them. He, he told them the gospel. He reminds them about the gospel, and he says, I am shocked. I am absolutely amazed that you left the truth of the gospel so quickly. You've walked away from the gospel of grace. He says this, this is not another gospel. This is not another gospel because there's only one gospel. That is the good news of Jesus Christ. The word gospel means good news. Which He said you've, you've, you've gone away from the gospel to another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you that would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we, now listen to this, listen to what he says, this is an amazing statement. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be a curse. And we say, as we said before, so say I now again. I've said that. I want you to understand what I've said. And I'm saying it again. If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you have received, let him be accursed, anathema, doomed, damned. That's what he's saying. Wow. These are strong words. Father, I pray that you'll help us to look uh, at uh, how important it is that we stay pure to the gospel of grace. And I pray, Father, we'll, we'll learn some things from Paul's story. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul wants us to know his passion, number one. He wants us to see his passion. He wants us to see, uh, as he's talking about this, to the Galatians churches, these churches that he had given his life to establish. He wants them to understand, look, there's some things I am passionate about, and this is one thing I'm passionate about. What are you passionate about? What is it, what is it that stirs you? I have a, a a brother-in-law, his name is Ron. Ron is passionate about football. I mean, he's passionate about football. And particularly, he's from Texas, so he's passionate about Dallas football. Dallas Cowboy fans can really be passionate about, 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 uh, about the Cowboys. And uh, so uh, he was, he's, uh, he's passionate about that. He was over at my house. This is years ago. Matthew was about four years old. Uh, we had taught Matthew that if something ever comes on that's bad on television, you turn it off. You just get up and you turn off the TV. If a bad word comes on, you get up and you turn off the TV. We got up and turn off the TV. We taught them if there was a beer commercial that came on, you get up and you turn off the television set because the beer is bad. It's, a, it's the devil's drink, and we don't drink that, and we're not going to listen to people make this, this commercial or beer good. So we taught our kids to just to just do that that's what they did <laughs> so we're we, i have my brother-in-law sitting in my living room one day it was after after a church and we came over to watch a football game it was a dallas game and he's going to watch it in my in my living room he sits there and um uh uh he uh, uh he turns he uh, we're watching the, t the television 
television program, and are watching the, the football game. As we're watching the football game, uh, uh, we're just having a good time, and, and now a, a big play is going on, and there's something happening. And right as they're about to announce this, this play, all of a sudden, a beer commercial comes on. You know, one of those things with a background and a beer can comes across the thing. This is back when televisions warmed up. You know, you turned them off, they had tubes. And, and the, the, you, if you turn it off, it was going to be a few minutes before it came back on. So, so we're sitting there watching it. Matt's here. Uh, Ron and I are, are sitting there. And, we're, and then other people are talking, but we're watching the game. And, and all of a sudden, this beer can comes coming across the stream and immediately Matthew gets up and turns off the television set and he said ah what are you doing he said uncle Ron uncle Ron was a preacher by the way he said he said uncle Ron we don't like beer do we uncle Ron was in a quandary at that point He's passionate about football, and, uh, and you turn it back on, it warmed up, and he missed everything, and so, what's your passion? What is your passion? What is it that, that lights your fire? For Paul, the gospel was his passion. When Paul wrote verses 6 through 9, you could almost hear the pathos coming out of his voice. I marvel, he said, I'm amazed that you've left the truth so quickly. They've been led astray into false teaching. And he knows that if they're led astray into false teaching, they're not going to lose their salvation, but they're not going to promote the gospel. He, he's concerned that they're, they're, they're somebody adding something to the gospel. And that can't happen. We have that today. In our culture today, we have people adding to the gospel. You, you, have, to be, you have to trust Jesus. Yes, that's true. But you also must get baptized. Well, the Bible doesn't tell us you have to get baptized in order to be saved. The Bible tells us that, that, that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Bible says, believe on, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. The Bible doesn't tell us we have to add anything to salvation. And yet we live in a day, and Paul did in his day, where there were people coming, across, coming into the midst of the Galatian churches and, and saying, listen, you need to understand that if you, you, being saved is a good thing, but you need to live by the law. And if you don't live by the law, then the chances are you didn't get saved or you're not saved and, and, uh, and you're not going to remain saved. Anything that adds to the gospel, whether it's baptism, whether it's reading your Bible, whether it's going to church, whether it's having a good life, whether it's whatever it is, is a false gospel. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians. He said, could you put that up there? No, 2 Corinthians. Should be another passage up. Did we skip something? 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 4. Okay, well, Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 4, it says, For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, Paul said another Jesus could be preached, whom we have not preached, or, or you receive another spirit. He said there are some people that are preaching another Holy Spirit, which you have not received, or another gospel. There can be another gospel being preached. See, people can name the name of Jesus, but he said, hey, there's another Jesus. This is a Jesus that is not God. There's, a, there's, there's religions that teach, oh, Jesus is a good prophet. Oh, yes, he was a good person. Oh, yes, he was a good teacher. But he's not God. 
Well, if he's not God, then he's a liar. If he's not God, he's a lunatic. If he's not God, we shouldn't listen to him at all because he's not a good preacher. He's not a good teacher. He is either God in human flesh or he's the worst person that ever lived on the planet because he's deceived billions of people. Jesus Christ is God. If somebody comes along and preaches that Jesus that is not God, then they are liars. And Paul said, let them be anathema, let them be accursed. If somebody comes along and adds to the gospel, listen, it's so easy for the devil to put in your mind that somebody's, oh, there's, there's something else besides trusting Christ that saves you. you. We look at somebody and we say, oh, they did that? Oh, you're kidding. They did that? They must not really have been saved. Do you understand this? As a Christian, you can do anything that any unsaved person can do. As a Christian, you can be led into any sin that any other person could, could be led into. Because, because you still live in a flesh that wants to do wrong. You still have a struggle with your temper. You still have a, tr- a struggle with overeating. Can you Baptists say amen to that? Okay, so you still have a struggle with temptations of every kind. We struggle. We live in a flesh that wants to do wrong. And so, so to look at somebody and say, well, well, you know, I thought they were Christians, but they, if they were really Christians, they wouldn't do that. You're adding something to the gospel. The way you become a Christian is by coming to Jesus and saying, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know I deserve to go to hell. I know that you are God. I know that you died to pay for my sin. And I want to ask you to save me by your grace. I'll never earn it. I'll know, I don't deserve it. But would you please give me eternal life? And Jesus gives you eternal life. You do nothing at all to earn that. Paul said, don't let them preach another gospel. Don't let them preach another spirit. Don't let them preach another Jesus to you. Paul said, here's the gospel in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Go ahead to that one now. 1 Corinthians 15, he says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. Here's the gospel. That Christ died for our sins the way the Scripture said he would. And that he was buried. And that he rose again the third day. Why is it important that he was buried? Because that's proof that he died. You don't bury a living person. He was buried because he died. He stayed dead for three days and three nights. Then he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, just like the Bible said he would. And that was that he was seen of Cephas, that's, that's Peter. And then of the twelve. Why is that important? Because these are eyewitnesses to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. After that, he was seen of above 500 brethren at once. There are those who say, well, these people that saw, thought they saw Jesus rise from the dead, they were just having an hallucination. They were delirious. They were so uh, uh, stricken with grief. But I want you to understand that 500 people at once don't have the same hallucination. You understand that? That's just not, that doesn't happen. 500 people at once saw him. And he said this, of whom the greater part remain unto this present. What does that mean? That means that when Paul wrote this, many of those were still alive. And so he was saying, you can go check it out with them. They'll tell you. They saw Jesus Christ risen from the dead with the nail prints in his hands and in his feet. They, they, they saw him. And so this is the great news, that Jesus died for our sins. I have to admit that I'm a sinner. And, and Jesus died and paid for my sins. And he was buried and he rose from the dead. This is the gospel. And Paul was passionate about the gospel. He said, if anybody, anyone, teaches anything contrary to this, let them be accursed. There is no other gospel. The, 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 to say, hey, you've got to be good enough to get to heaven, that's no gospel because you can't be good enough. Well, go to church in order to get to heaven. What church? You can't pick it. 
There's nothing that will get you to heaven except Jesus. We must be passionate about the gospel of Christ. Say that with me. We must be passionate about the gospel of grace. One more time. We must be passionate about the gospel of grace. Listen, there is no other way to get to heaven except to come to Jesus and say, I am a sinner. You need to, would you please save me? And he'll give you salvation by grace. Now, we see Paul's passion. I want you to see, number two, Paul's pleasure. I want you to see who Paul lived to please. In verse, in verse 10, the Bible says, Now, for, for, for do I now persuade men or God? He said, who am I living for now? To please men or to please God? There was a time that Paul was advancing in the Jewish religion. And he was living, he tells us, at one time to please men. But he's not doing that anymore. Paul's not living to please men. Now he's living to please God. For now, for, for do I now persuade men or God? Or do I speak to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. He said, if I'm living to please men, I'm not Christ's servant. I'm not living to please men. I'm living to serve Christ. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. I didn't get this from man, and I'm not preaching it to, to please men. I'm, pleasing it. I'm preaching it because Christ wants me to preach it and so that men will be saved. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. He said, what I'm teaching, I got directly from God. Now he's going to tell us how he did that. But I want you to see that Paul, Paul's saying, look, I, I, there was a time that I used to live to please men. I used to live to get men's approval. I used to, I used to do this so that I could gain favor with people. I wanted popularity. I wanted people to know who I was and that I was doing all this great stuff for Christ, for, or not for Christ, but for God, that this is who I was. I was building my reputation. Man, people live for that. People live for fame. People live for uh, other people's recognition. I, I told my kids years ago, when people started recognizing our ministry and people started asking us to come and speak uh, at different places, I said to our kids, you need to remember this. Remember these words. Everybody is nobody to somebody. Remember these things. Everybody is nobody to somebody. They said, what do you mean by that? I said, well, I said there was a guy named uh, Dean Martin, who used to sing, Everybody loves somebody sometime. And uh, he used to sing that. And, he, he, uh, and, and that's true. Everybody's loved by somebody. But I want you to know that nobody is known by everybody. In fact, if, if about a million people get to know who you are, or maybe two million people, get to know who you are. Maybe you get so popular that three million people know who you are. There'll be about eight billion people who don't know who you are. Can you say amen to that? That's, that's a reality. It doesn't matter how well known you are, you are less known than you think you are. There, popularity is, is such a fading thing. Uh, when I was a kid, the, the, uh, the, the biggest box office draw in America was a guy named Roy Rogers. 
And if I talk to people that are under 40 years of age here, and even some that are above 40, you would have no idea who Roy Rogers is. Man, he was the hero of kids when I was a kid. He was well-known, he was more well-known than anybody at, at that time. Uh, fame is fleeting, it's gone. And Paul realized, man, I don't want to live anymore to please man, I want to live to please God. Paul's pleasure was serving God. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 4, the Bible says, No man that warreth entangleth himself with affairs of this life, but that he may please him for whom, uh, whom, whom hath chosen him to be a soldier. Paul said, I am a soldier of Jesus Christ, and I'm living to please him. In 1 Thessalonians, he says this, but as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God, which trieth our hearts. There will always be those who question what you do as a child of God. There will be those who say to you, oh, that, you don't need to do that, or, or you don't need to do that. There will be, be those who question your standards. There will be those who question your life. There are those who will question your, your message. And Paul said, the message that I'm preaching isn't a popular message. He said, I know that this is not a message that religious people want to hear, that you're sinners and you deserve to go to hell and the only way to get saved is by putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But he said, I'm not preaching this message to please men. I'm, please, I'm preaching this message to please the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's how we need to live our lives. We need to live our lives saying, okay, if, this is, if somebody is upset with this, it, I'm going to do it anyway. Somebody doesn't like what I'm doing, I'm going to do it anyway. I don't know anything that we've ever done uh, uh, in our lives, my wife and I, that, that people thought, hey, this is going to be, a, everybody thought this was going to be a great thing. I can remember when we decided to come out here and start a church. People said a couple of things to us. Number one, you're going to Las Vegas, Nevada, to start an independent Bible-believing Baptist church. People aren't going to, there's, there's no way you're going to do that in Las Vegas. One person said to me, you just don't do it that way. You don't do that. I said, what do you mean? You don't just graduate from college and then just go out and start a church. That's not the way it's done. You cannot do that. Well, I didn't have any other way to do it. And so we just did it anyway. Uh, there, there, I remember we decided we were going to start a, a, a Christian school. Uh, and, and people said to us, you can't start a Christian school. You just can't do that. You don't do that. You cannot just start a Christian school. You're not an educator. I know that. I know the grades I got. I'm, I'm amazed at the, what the, the quality of students we have in LBA. It amazes me what they do in LBA. I, I'm so thankful nobody ever will be able to find my GPA. Uh, <laughs> the, the fact of the matter is, uh, we just decided to do it. And God, uh, when, when God wants you to do something, you do what God wants you to do. I, listen, you raise your kids the way God wants you to raise your kids, and you'll get criticized for it. People will say, you can't do that. You, you, can't do that. You, can't be, you can't be that restrictive. You can't be that protective. You'll get all sorts of comments. You just raise your kids the way God wants you to raise your kids. You do what God wants you to do. You be faithful to live the way God wants you to live. And, and, and I want you to understand, there will be critics. There will be people who have negative things to say about you. Let me read to you a poem. 
I, I saw the room was cold and dire. I, I went to warm it with a fire. The critic says it, I was too bold. I heard, and I let the room grow cold. The children had nothing to eat. I went to give them something sweet. The critic said, "'Twas not my place. A starving look now mars their face. I saw a need I, I went to fill. I found the task was all uphill. Each time I tried to meet the need, I found a critic for my deed. Does that sound familiar? Can you say amen to that? I soon began to realize that millions live and millions die. And many want to show they care, but oftentimes they do not dare because they hear the critic's voice and are afraid to make the choice to go against the critic's cry. Because of this, so many die without the joy of found in one deed of reaching out to meet the need. God wants us to not listen to the critics. God wants us to live to please Him. God wants us to do what He tells us to do and live, uh, and live to accomplish His goals for our life. Paul, Paul's pleasure was to serve the Lord, and we must live to please God, not man. Let's say that together. We must live to please God, not man. One more time. We must live to please God, not man. God wants us to understand that, and we need to live that way. That's the way Paul lived. Paul goes beyond this, and he and begins now, number three, to show us a little bit about his past and to show us a little bit about his purpose. Look down in verse 13, if you would. It says, For you've heard of my conversation, that is my lifestyle, in, in times past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and I wasted it. You know the story of how I persecuted God's church. I was against it. And I profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in my own nation, being more exceedingly jealous of the traditions of my father. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathens immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. Paul begins to talk about his past here. And he wants them he's doing this because there are people who are saying he's not qualified to be a to to be a an apostle. He is not really an apostle. He's not one of the original 12. Uh, he's teaching stuff that he just made up. And he's, t he's letting them know, look, what I got, I didn't get from people. I didn't get authority from man, but I got this authority from God. So he writes this and says, look, I want you to understand. I want you, you, you know about me. You know what my lifestyle was before. He said, I lived beyond what other people did. I, I was big time in persecuting the church. I was a poster child for, for the Jewish faith. I was out. I was their number one guy. I was out there doing it. But he said, you know what happened to me? I was changed. And he says, I was changed because of a call that came into my life that I was unaware of from my mother's womb. He said, I was from my mother's womb, I was called. Now, I only know of two other p 
people in the Bible that claim that about themselves. Uh, in Isaiah, Isaiah said, the Lord hath called me. Isaiah 49 and verse 1 says, the Lord hath called me from the, from the womb, from the bowels of my mother, hath he made mention of my name. Jeremiah said this in Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5. He says, for before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest out of the womb, I sanctified thee and I ordained thee a prophet. So Paul said, look, you, you honor Jeremiah and you honor Isaiah. I want you to know just like they were called before their mother's womb, uh, from their mother's womb, so was I. By the way, just as a side note, interesting for those who say uh, it's okay to abort a child uh, before he's born, he's not really a child. Jeremiah was and Isaiah was and the apostle Paul was recognized and was the person that God called them to be before they were born in their mother's womb. Paul said, I was called uh, to this ministry from, uh, from before my infancy, before I was born, God called me to this. He said, why would God call him? Knowing the wicked things that he would do after he was born, knowing how he would fight against Christianity, knowing that he would do all of these terrible things, why did God call him? Paul answers that question in 1 Timothy chapter 1. He says this, would you go to 1 Timothy? He, I, I obtained mercy, he said, because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. He really was convinced that Jesus was not the Messiah. He really was convinced that this stuff was heretical. He was really convinced that Jesus had not risen from the dead. But after he saw the risen Christ, God changed his whole plan. And he, be, he was given a purpose. Look at this. Look down in verse 16. We see his purpose. We see why God called him. It says, to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen, that is, amongst the Gentiles, amongst the nations. Um, immediately, I conferred not with flesh and blood. He said, listen, I was called, and God gave me a purpose, and the purpose was this, to reveal Christ to the world, to go out to the nations and teach people how they could know for sure they're going to heaven. That is my purpose. My past was I was fighting against all of this, I was fighting, but that's why he's so passionate now. He fought against all that. He said, now my, my, he said, he said, I found out that God wanted to reveal his son in me. And now that's what I live for. I'm living to fulfill the purpose that God has called me. The truth of the matter is we must fulfill our purpose just like he did. I want you to, would you put that on the screen? God wants us to understand our purpose and we must fulfill our purpose. Let's say that together. We must fulfill our purpose. What's your passion? What's your purpose? Let's say that one more time. We must fulfill our purpose. God wants us to understand that just like he had a purpose for Paul, just like he had, Paul had a terrible past, but now God's using him. Are you fulfilling the purpose that God has for you? Now, having said all of that, Paul then lets us see, number four, his pursuit. We're going to look at Paul's pursuit. Now, Paul traveled. Uh, would you put the map up on the screen for me? Paul traveled. Paul traveled when he got saved. He's going to tell us this in this story here. 
when he trusted Christ as his Savior, he was heading to Damascus. He had gone from Jerusalem, was going to Damascus. We got to Damascus, and uh, that, that's when he met with Ananias and, he, and, and knew that God had called him to, to reveal Christ in him, to preach the nations. He wanted to make sure about that. So typically, a person would go to Jerusalem, meet with the other apostles, and find out what they had to say. But he says, no, I didn't do that. Immediately, I went down into Arabia. And then he'll say, we'll read this in just a minute, he left Arabia and he went back up into Syria, into Antioch, and, and, and came down to Cilicia. That's where he goes. Why? Uh, let, let's, read, let's read what the Bible says. Let's read his personal testimony. Here's what he says. He says, he said he, in verse 16, to reveal Christ, uh, his son, in me, that I might preach him amongst the heathen. Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. That is, I didn't meet with anybody there. Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which are, were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia and I returned again to Damascus. So why did he go to Arabia? Why would he go to Arabia? That question I've, I've wondered for a long time, and then this, this past week I, I, I began to realize something. The, the, the name Arabia is only mentioned one other time in the Scriptures, in the New Testament. In the New Testament, it's mentioned in the Old Testament, but only one other time is the word Arabia used, and it's in this same book. It's the book of Galatians. In Galatians chapter 4 and verse 25, the Bible says this, for this is Agar, this Agar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. Well, Mount Sinai is in Arabia. The Jews, who Paul was part of, and those who would later despise him, they knew that Moses had gone to Mount Sinai in Arabia to get the, the Ten Commandments. They also knew that Elijah, the prophet Elijah, in fact, in Exodus chapter 19 and verse 20, the Bible says the Lord came down onto Mount Sinai and he met with Moses. When Elijah, the, the greatest prophet, uh, was called of God in, in 1 Kings, the Bible says he rose and did eat and drink and went in strength of, uh, of the meat 40 days and 40 nights unto Horeb. That's just another name for Sinai, the Mount of God. He knew, he, he, he loved Moses, he loved the law, and when God spoke to Moses, he spoke to him in Mount Sinai in Arabia. And when God called the prophet Elijah, he spoke to him in Mount Sinai in Arabia. So Paul saying, I'm not going to confer. I don't want to check this out with man. I don't want to see if my call is legitimate with man. I want to find out what God says. And so as a converted Jew, he doesn't go to Jerusalem. He goes to Sinai where God had met with Moses, where God had met with Elijah, and he gets the gospel of grace from the same God that gave the law to Moses. Can you say amen to that? so neat. And he went there to get the gospel of grace from the same God who gave the prophet Elijah to the world. He, he after that, the Bible says, uh, in verse 17, he then returned to Damascus. Neither went I up to Jerusalem, to them which were of the apostles before me, but I went into Arabia, and then I returned 
to Damascus. So he goes back to Damascus. And what did he do when he was in Damascus? In Acts chapter 9, the Bible tells us what he did in, in, in Damascus. He preached Christ in all of the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. But all that heard him were amazed and said, Is not this he that destroyed them which call on his name in Jerusalem? Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this was very Christ. He goes to Saudi Arabia. I believe he went to Mount Sinai. He meets with Jesus. Jesus personally teaches him. All of this takes about three years. And he's preaching and, and goes back to Damascus and he preaches and teaches. Then after that, look at verse 18, it says, then after three years, I went to Jerusalem. That's when he goes and he sees Peter. And he abode with him about 15 days. And, but, but other of the apostles... Uh, uh, saw I none save James, the Lord's brother. So he meets with two apostles. One is the half-brother of Jesus, James, who became the pastor of the church at Jerusalem. And he met with Peter uh, again uh, because Peter was Peter. And so he meets with Peter and meets with him for about 15 days. Now the things that I write unto you, behold, before God I lie not. He said, I'm not telling you a lie here. This is exactly the way it happened. Paul is confirming the fact that what he is sharing with them didn't come from man. So don't be following the rules of man. Don't be following the teachings of man. Don't let somebody take you away from this true gospel message. This message that I had came from the same place the Ten Commandments came from, the same place the prophet Elijah came from. This, this message came from the God, from Jehovah in the Old Testament, who is Jesus in the New Testament. And after that, the Bible says, I came, uh, I came into the regions of, uh, of Syria and Sicily and, and was unknown by faith, uh, by face unto the churches of Judea, uh, which were in Christ. He said, nobody else knew me. I just left and I went back to my hometown, to my home region. Now, but, but they heard this. This was the, the rumor that they heard only that he which persecuted us in times past now preaches the faith which he, which he once destroyed and he says they glorified God in me the one thing that happened was they saw that Christ was in me Paul's saying this look I didn't pursue man I didn't pursue anything all I wanted to do was find the God who had called me I wanted to spend time with him I wanted to get the message from him. I wanted to be with him. In, in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10, Paul would later say that I might know him. His desire was to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death. Paul said, I want to know Christ. My pursuit in life is not pleasing men. My pursuit in life is not anything. I'm not here for wealth. I'm not here for gain. I'm not here for anything. The one thing I want to do is know him. Paul said in the same passage, forgetting those things which are behind, I'm pressing forward to the things which are before. I want to know him. I want to know him. I pursued him. A man came to Gandhi, the religious leader in, Af in, in, uh, in India many, many years ago came to Gandhi, this great religious leader. He had heard of his teachings. <clears throat> Gandhi said this. Gandhi said, if it were not 
for, if it were not for Christians, I would become a Christian. He said that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the most powerful instrument for changing people on the planet. But he didn't become a Christian. He was someone who pursued God. A man came to Gandhi one day and he said, Gandhi, I, I want to know God. He said, do you really want to know God? He said, yes, I really want to know God. He said, okay, come with me. He took, he took uh, this man down to a river and he said, okay, I want you to bend over, get on your knees. And so he did, and, he, and Gandhi got down with him. And he said, I want you to look in the river. So he got down and he looked in the river. He said, what do you see? He said, well, I don't know. I see water running. I see, he said, what do you see? Just look really close. He said, he looked, and um, uh, he said, I, I don't see what, what, you, what do you want me to see? He said, just get really close, get really, really close. He got down to where he was, he could see his mirror image in the water. He was so close. And he said, what do you see now? He said, I see my reflection. I see me. He said, I, I get a little closer. He got a little closer. And then Gandhi, who was a very small man, grabbed him and pushed his head underneath the water. He held his head underneath the water. And for a few moments, the, the man didn't move. And then pretty soon, the man started struggling because he couldn't breathe. And so he's, he's, he struggled, and Gandhi, as long as he could, he kept him under there and kept him under there and kept him under there until, until finally the guy pushed him back. And he said, what are you doing? Are you trying to kill me? Are you trying to, are you trying to kill me? What are you, what are you doing? I, I, I couldn't breathe. He said, Gandhi looked at him and he said, what did you want a minute ago more than you wanted anything else in the world? He said, to breathe. I wanted breath. I wanted to breathe. I wanted to breathe. And Gandhi looked at him with great wisdom and said, when you want God as much as you want breath, then you'll, you'll know God. Well, I don't want to add to salvation, but I want you to know as a Christian, when we have that type of pursuit, when we have that type of passion, I want to know Him, then we'll know Him. Paul said, I want to know Him. His pursuit was no longer anything on this world. He wanted to know God. Paul's passion was the gospel. Paul's pleasure was to please God. He ignored the critics. God's purpose, by, by the way, ignoring the critics doesn't mean that they don't affect you. I like people to tell me how wonderful I am. You become my best friend if you say, hey, that was a great message. I love you. When you come by and you criticize me, I'm not happy. I don't, I don't want to talk to you. The, the fact of the matter is, Paul's, Paul's pleasure was to please God. He ignored the critics. That didn't mean the critics didn't hurt him, but he ignored them. Paul's purpose was to share the gospel everywhere. He knew that. God had called him to do that. And Paul's pursuit was to know Christ. Now, my question to you is this. What's your passion? It's one thing to enjoy things on this earth, but what's your passion? And who do you live? Who do you live to please? And what is your purpose for living? What is it? Pastor Matt gave you a, a sheet and said, hey, uh, look through that. Find a way to serve. Is your purpose to serve the Lord? And then what are you pursuing? How much time do you spend pursuing God? I encourage you to pursue Christ and pursue His purpose for you. 
In closing, let's read that statement again. One more time. Would you put that statement back up on the... On the let's read this together one more time. I am a messenger sent by God to deliver the great news of salvation. I have been delivered from the bonds of this world and now enjoy the unconditional love and peace that comes from knowing God as my Father. Let God fill your mind with that purpose this week. And I hope you'll live with that purpose and pursue Him. Let's pray. Father, help us to take your truth. <clears throat> help us to follow the example of the Apostle Paul. Thank you, Father, for his example. Help us to follow him and to pursue the things that you want us to pursue for your glory in our lives. And I ask this in Jesus' name. We hope that message was an encouragement to your heart. Now for weekly updates and for information about Liberty Baptist Church, be sure to follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC of Las Vegas. Well, that's it for today. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, God bless.